This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, happy Sunday morning to everybody. It's a, it's an absolutely great day to be uh, in church. It's warmer here than out there, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot warmer in here. And, boy, we have a challenging subject this morning. I'm just so glad that you're here. I want to say a special greeting and a special welcome for those of you who have made a decision that you're going to connect with God in 2013. That includes those of you who come here all the time, but a special welcome to those of you who made that decision somewhere around the new year, and this is either your first or second time in church this year. For those of you who came last week, welcome back. Um, We have a terrific subject to talk about this morning and one that has plenty of challenge for all of us, for those of you who are brand new. My name is Ron, and I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. If you have something that you'd like to talk to me about, ask about, or whatever, I I would be happy to meet you out there and uh, shake your hand, give you a hug. That's my typical greeting, give you a hug on the way out the door. So welcome to church, and uh, a couple things to get us started. If we would all uh, open up our programs and pull out this particular thing, it's a half sheet of notes. Uh, You're going to want to pull out one other thing. No, two other things. Let's see. There's a little card in there as well. Did you find the little card? Business card size. Pull that out. Pull this out. Pull this out. Because you're going to need all three before, before we get done. Let me set some expectations for those of you who are, who are new. I'm going to be speaking about 25 minutes. We have a couple of activities. They're brief, but they're very important that will take place after that. And our plan is to get you out of here a little bit after the hour. So, uh, are you ready to learn? All right, here we go. I got to tell you a story. When I was a five-year-old kid, I had a five-year-old neighbor whose name was Clyde. I did not like Clyde. That was definitely not a mutual relationship. Clyde loved to come to my house, and I hated to have Clyde come to my house. And I didn't like going to Clyde's house either, because even at five years of age, we had a major disagreement about the most important thing in our world, our toys. You see, Clyde was raised in a family where his toys were considered his exclusive property. He could do anything with them that he wanted. He could play with them. He could leave them out in the weather and never get in trouble for it. He could bend them. He could break them. He could beat them up with a hammer. And his parents would never say anything to him because they figured they were his toys, his property. Now, the reason I didn't like to go to Clyde's house is because everything was broken. There was nothing to do. But I hated it worse when he came to my house Because he would always break at least one or two toys every visit. That's just how Clyde rolled. His philosophy could be easily stated in one simple phrase. My toys, my life. As I thought about the subject we're going to talk about this morning, and that's the subject, this is in the middle of our We Fit series, which is part of us learning how to take hold of the life that Christ has for us, there's a big question that's on the table, and the question is, why should I care about my fitness? 
Why should I care about my body? Because in a lot of ways, our philosophy about our bodies is pretty much like our like Clyde's philosophy about his toys. My body, my life. And that's sort of how we roll. And, and we're surprised that God would have anything to say about that or have any interest in it because, after all, it's my life. It's my body. I should be able to do with it what I want to. And if, and if I eat or, or behave in such a way that I, that I exit this life early, it's no big deal because it's really my life. Now, last week... Kevin challenged us with a great principle, and we're going to review it this morning. The review principle is this, and that is, I need to think about myself what God thinks about me. And so the big question this morning is, what does God think about my body? And the Bible has, I'm going to take us to a passage of Scripture where God lays out very clearly six things that He thinks about my body and about yours. And I think you'd be surprised at how relevant all of this is to the life that Christ has for us and and how it ties into how we can reach out and take hold of that life and actually live it and be blessed by it when we begin to understand how God wired us and how He made life. So that's where we're headed this morning. Let's go to the to the to straight to the Bible teaching here in First Corinthians chapter six. Paul writes and says, you, you say, I am allowed to do anything. But Paul puts in there, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. But you say, food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. You know, these Corinthians sound like they would fit in 21st century America, don't they? I can do anything. It's my freedom. It's my right. This is America, after all. I can do anything. And, of course, food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. Now, there's there's a reason why those two statements are in quotations. You have to know something about the people that Paul was writing to. They lived in the city of Corinth. And Corinth was a sort of Las Vegas to the world during this period of history. In fact, if you really didn't like someone and you didn't approve of their lifestyle, it was a common statement across the Roman world to say, eh, that person lives like a Corinthian. And everybody knew what that meant. It meant they were a low-lifer with no morals. And so the common statements around Corinth were these. I can do anything. Anything is lawful for me. This is Corinth, after all. What we do in Corinth, what's the rest of that? Yeah, sure, stays in Corinth. That's how it worked for them. And of course, that gave way to all sorts of, if it feels good, do it. Which when you apply it toward food, if I feel like eating it, I will. If I don't feel like eating it, I won't. And Paul came along and he said, you know, we have some correcting to do about that. Now, the specific thing that he's going to tackle in this passage is immorality. He goes on to say, this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them, the stomach and the food that you eat, but you cannot say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. Huge problem in Corinth, 
Huge problem right here. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Now, there's the first statement that he makes, and you can underline it. They were made for the Lord. That's the first thing God thinks about your body. They were made for the Lord. And the second thing that God thinks about your body is the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power. By the way, when He raises you from the dead, He's not just raising your spirit. He's actually raising your physical body. Just like when He raised Jesus from the dead, did He leave His body in the ground? No. He raised the body of Jesus from the dead and He will raise yours. Just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize... Here's the third statement, that your bodies are actually parts of Christ. I can't explain how this all works. It's somewhat of a mystery, but the Bible teaches us in many places that we are parts of the body of Christ. Those of us who are Christians, we are part of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. Therefore, our bodies are part of the body of Christ. He goes on to say, Should a man then take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? What's the answer to that question? Never. Never. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the Scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with Him. Now that would be a whole message just by itself. I want to challenge us, even though I'm not going to talk about that much this morning. When you are joined to the Lord at New Life, baptism is a huge thing because baptism is a picture of us joining Christ in His death. And when we are joined to the Lord, we become one spirit with Him. He goes on to say this, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Let's just stop right there. Okay? I'm not going to talk about sexual immorality, but what I am going to tell you is this. When Paul is applying this principle about immorality, what he's saying in, in short is, don't do anything with your body that would dishonor God. That's the whole principle. In sexual immorality, of course you don't go out and join yourself to a prostitute or some other person who's not a prostitute, but you're not married to. You don't do that because that dishonors God with your body. Well, there are lots of other things that we could do that would dishonor God with our body, and we're going to talk about those this morning. Now, don't you realize, here's statement number four, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Here's statement number five. You do not belong to yourself. Why? Because you were bought, God bought you at a high price. The high price that God paid was the death of His only Son. And then he finishes with the sixth statement about what God thinks about your body, so you must honor God with your body. Let's review those six principles relatively quickly because these are the six things that God thinks about my body. Number one, my body was made for whom? For Him. Number two, 
He cares about my body. This is not, you can't look at God and say, I don't think God cares what I eat. I don't think what God cares uh, what I smoke. I don't think God cares about what I drink. That's not true. No matter what you do with your body, God cares about your body. Number three, my body is actually part of His body. Everything I do with my body reflects on Him in some way. Number four, my body is the temple of God's Spirit. That God's Spirit lives inside. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Number five, my body, therefore, doesn't belong to me. It was actually purchased. By the way, did you make your body? No, you didn't make your body. So it doesn't really belong to you. God made your body, and then He purchased it back through Jesus. My body doesn't belong to me. And last of all, I must honor God with my body. Now, that, that, that leaves a big question. And we're going we're gonna to come back to that question in a minute. But for right now, we start out by saying it's our natural tendency to assume my body, my life. I'll do with it what I want to. But Paul says, no, it's actually um, my body, God's temple. That is the truth. My body, God's temple. Now you have to understand the people Paul was writing to. They lived in the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth was one of the great religious centers of the the Roman world, which is really amazing. It was a center of great sin, but it was a center of great religion. In fact, there were no less than nine temples in the city of Corinth built to different gods. The most famous of all the temples, sat on the Acropolis outside of Corinth. It's a 1,000-foot-tall it's a monolith, huge rock, and on top of it there was a temple to the goddess Aphrodite, who was, who was, the, who was the goddess of sexuality. And, and so a very common way of participating in worship was to go sleep with one of the temple prostitutes, and that's how you worship that goddess. Uh, you could tell that, that that sort of did not do well for that city. But the deal was, everyone that Paul wrote to in the city of Corinth was either Roman or Greek or a Jew. And the one thing that all three of those cultures had in common is they all had temples that they went to to worship their God. Uh, you would select the God that you wanted to worship, and then you went to that temple regularly. And if you were a Roman or a Greek, you went to one of those one of those nine temples in the city of of Corinth, and you worshipped one of those gods. And that's what you turned to for your spiritual growth and development. And that's what you turned to in death for hope about the coming life. If you were a Jew. You understood there was one temple, and that temple was in Jerusalem. And during your lifetime, you would make as many pilgrimages to Jerusalem as you could possibly make because you understood that God said that my name dwells in that temple. And so that became the most sacred site for you. As you might well imagine, the temples, whether they were Greek, Roman, or Jewish, were ornate, they were beautiful, they were constructed of the most precious stones and metals in the entire world, and they were extremely well maintained. Why? Because it was the house for their God. Now Paul shakes all that up, and and he says it like this. 
You don't go to the temple to worship God. You are the temple that honors God. So that's the deal. And that's the thing that I want us to get this morning. And that's really God's message for us. When you look in the mirror, you are looking at God's dwelling place. And just like the Greeks and the Romans and the Jews would consider the temple the most sacred place in their world, guess what? Your body is the most sacred place in your world. It has to be because you don't go to the temple to worship God. You are the temple that honors God. Friends, that's huge. Because it means that what we do with our bodies makes a huge difference to God and it should make a huge difference to us. Because what I think if I had an actual physical temple made out of marble and stone, would you consider me rather... Um, sacrilegious if I were to go to that and abuse it and mar it and write graffiti on it and chip it and, 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 and deface it in any way and abuse it? Of course you'd say, hey, you can't do that. That's, God, that's where God lives. Well, guess what? One of the best exercises that you and I could do in this coming week to help drive this principle home is when you stand in front of the mirror each morning to get ready for the day, look yourself in the eye and say, I am the temple of God's Spirit. Because you are. God lives in you. And that means He has a great desire that your body would be a wonderful place for Him to live. Well, that brings up the huge question, the really big one. If my body is the temple and the dwelling place of God's Spirit, how do I maintain it and use it in a way that actually honors and blesses Him? And the great thing is, in this passage we just read, there is the big answer to that question. And we're going to go back and pick it up. It's 1 first, it's first Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Here is the main point. Here's what it says. I must not become a slave to anything. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Ready? Let's read. I must not become a slave to anything. Wow. Do you realize it's in the human spirit to naturally drift and, and, and to tend toward addiction. All of us have that trouble. Every single one of us. We struggle with addiction. We struggle with control. We struggle with obsession. The chief issue in all of those is control. The difference between a slave and a free person is a slave is no longer in control of his life, right? His life is under the control of someone else. And God says, to you and to me, I created you to live in freedom. And when you choose voluntary slavery, 
When you allow anything to obsess you, when you allow anything to control you, friends, this could be anything from food to model trains. Got it? No offense to anyone who eats or owns a model train. But whatever controls you and whatever you obsess about and whatever exercises way too much authority in your life, and whatever makes the decisions in your world, and whatever controls your inner thoughts, and whatever you fall in love with, and whatever occupies your time, and whatever reaches out and grabs your attention, and whatever makes those choices that you do that you don't want to do, all that stuff, whatever that is, God says, look, my goal for you is freedom. I don't want you to be controlled by food. I don't want you to be controlled by the absence of food. I don't want you to be controlled by anything. Because once you submit your body to the control of anything, it no longer belongs to God. It belongs to whatever that is. That makes sense to everybody? That's the deal. That is the deal. So my body is the temple of God's Spirit. And so God lives in me and God says, I want you to, to manage this body in such a way that it is free and accessible to me and not under the control or controlled by anything or anybody else. And when that becomes the basis for why we become fit and, and why we exercise or why we eat or why we do other things, when that becomes the basis, it's no longer selfish. It's no longer about us. It's no longer about what I want. It's no longer about a diet that I feel like I have to be on. It's no longer me trying to lose weight so I'll be sexy. or the envy of other people. It's about me making this the temple where God lives by His Spirit. And it's about looking myself in the eye in the mirror and recognizing that the person that's standing there looking at me, the person who I am, this is God's property for His use. It's His body temporarily loaned to me so that I could manage it in a way that brings joy and blessing to Him and at the same time enables me to reach out and take hold of the life that Christ has for me because the more I take hold of the life He has for me, the greater joy I have in this life and the greater joy I bring to people around me. That's how it works. That's how God wired life and the further I get away from that, the more I struggle in this life, the more I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick in this life, and the more I bring darkness and trouble into the lives of those around me. I don't know how to say it any simpler than that. It's not, 
My body, my life. It's my body, God's temple. So now, we're going to apply this just in the area of food. Because Paul started out and said, you know, you guys say over there in Corinth, food is made for the stomach and the stomach for the food. So I, I wish I had the time to, to apply this. By the way, you understand why it's wrong to take your body and to put a substance in it that controls it and that you become addicted to? Okay, that's true for everything from painkillers to smoking weed to doing coke. I, I don't care what it is. I mean, this the, the list of these things is endless. Okay? Christ wants you to be free. We're just going to take food uh, as a way to apply this this morning. So the answer is not a diet. The answer is not, I've got to lose 30 pounds so I'll be a hunk for Jesus. Okay? That's not the answer. All right? The answer is, I want to put together an eating plan for life. And an eating plan for life includes more than you might think at first, um, at first glance. Number one, it includes how much I eat. By the way, that includes how much I eat if it's too much and how much I eat if it's not enough. Okay? Did you know 68% of all Americans are significantly overweight or obese. Did you get that number? 68%. Did you also know that an additional 8% of all Americans struggle with some form of eating disorder on the opposite end of the scale, either bulimia, anorexia, or binge eating? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to add 68 and 8. What do you get? 76. That means that three out of four of us will, will end our lives prematurely with some form of food. Did that shake you up a little bit? Three out of four of us will have our lives shortened by food in some way. We can do better than that. Do you agree? We can do better than that. Okay. By the way, when I talk to you about this, God's talking to me about this as well. I, I started actually on this journey a little bit before Thanksgiving, and I'm down 10 pounds. I have a lot more to go. I have a lot more to go. Uh, but I'm learning to eat in such a way that my body is God's temple, and that's bringing a liberty in my life. And actually, um, I went to more than one Christmas party, and I was in this room yesterday, and there was a ton of food in this room because we did a memorial service for a lady, and they just had massive amounts of food. And there was two whole tables of dessert. I went to both tables. I looked over the dessert, and I walked away because nothing there actually looked good to me. I'm learning to eat. In such a way, my body is the temple of God's Spirit. Might have been better for me if I just hadn't gone there. But it was actually good for me to go and look at the food and realize, nah, that, that's not actually good for me. That's not going to do anything for me. That's not going to help me feel better. And it certainly isn't going to contribute to my overall welfare. So number one, how much do I eat? Number two, how often do I eat? God wired you to eat on a regular basis. 
and skipping meals and going a day without eating, unless you're doing it on purpose to fast and draw near to God, being too busy at work to eat, all those things, if you're going to have an eating plan for life, it has to have regular meals in it so that your body has a routine that it can function well and that's how God wired you up. Number three, what I eat. Okay? Don't have time to get into it. We have four health and wellness life groups that I'm going to challenge you to become part of. Um, But what I eat, pay attention to what you put in your body. Your body is like a computer. Garbage in, what's the rest of that? Garbage out. You, you, your body becomes what you eat. Okay? Don't be a walking Twinkie. Number four, how often I make exceptions. Every eating plan has exceptions. God is not a legalist. Okay? God doesn't sit in heaven and say, look, man, here's what I want from you. I want you to make a vow to me that for the rest of your life you will never eat another Snickers candy bar. If God were a legalist, that's what he'd ask. But you have a general eating plan for life, and that includes how often do I make exceptions to that. Okay, Because again, God does not want you to become the slave of your eating plan. Does that make sense? I will not become a slave to anything. So here's how we apply this today. And this is, this is where I want you to get out this card, okay? It's our goal as a church to help you get connected with God. And uh, in order for us to do that, we need some contact information from those of you who are brand new. So if you're new or you've never given us your contact information, on the bottom of the side that says start here, would you please give us your name and some basic contact information so we can begin to partner with you and help you. On the back side of this card, there's a couple of things that we're going to work on. Find the section that says apply this teaching by, and there are three things. Number one, putting 1 Corinthians 6.12 in a place where I'll be reminded of it each day. That's why I gave it to you on a little card. And what does it say? Can you read it out loud to me? I must not become the slave to anything. Okay? Put that somewhere where you'll be reminded of it every day, that that can be something that you live by. Secondly, participating in one of the health and wellness life groups. Uh, Kevin's going to come up here in a minute and walk you through signing up for a life group. There are four health and wellness life groups for this coming three months, and I want to encourage you to consider signing up for one of those. We have 11 other life groups, but if this is an area where you struggle and, and, and you know that food or lack of it or exercise or any other thing has too much control in your life, then sign up for one of those. So if that's a decision you're going to make, you can indicate that there. And then last of all, choosing to become a Christian today. Because the truth is that God dwells in us by His Spirit when we choose to become Christians. And one of the greatest things, in fact, the greatest single choice you could ever make in life is to say, I recognize that God is my maker. I recognize that He has an eternal life He wants to give me. And I recognize that only through Jesus can I get that. And as a church, we are so blessed to be able to give you that offer every single time we meet. And so this morning is no exception. 
If you're ready to make that decision and you know in your heart that God is saying, this is the time, get 2013 started right. Make the decision to become a Christian. Then you check that and we will get with you this week and make sure that you understand what all is involved in that and to help you get started right in that. Right now, I just want to pray. Lord, would you be with my friends? Would you help them this morning? to connect with you and to hear from you, to sign up for the right life groups. Would you be with those that you know are ready to accept you and ready to become Christians? Would you give them the courage to make that decision right now? And Lord, would you help us in this week to live knowing that it's not my body, my life. It's my body, God's temple, that we are the temple of Christ. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.